Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast. Today's topic, Effective Decisions Part 2, One Action. Hi everyone, this is Mike and welcome back to Manager Tools. You know, too many of us feel good about a decision we've made and then we mess up the decision by failing to act aggressively on it. And one of the things that keeps us from being successful is that we don't focus on the path we've chosen. Well, today we're going to talk about that and our solution is one action. Here we go. Today we're going to talk about <laughs> we're going to talk about murder. Yes, I bet you folks never thought we'd talk about murder on Mander Tools, but today, in fact, we are going to, and we're going to talk about murdering the unchosen alternative. Yep, I, I honestly wish I could remember where I first read that phrase. I googled it recently and couldn't find a site for it, and I, I mean site with a C. Um, I I want to say it was a business book, and so I don't want to take credit for it, but that phrase has has informed my thinking so much in the last 15 years when I see really effective executives and how they how they think about decisions and ex- execution and so on. And and I'm just going to make real clear what I'm talking about here. We're talking about murdering it. If you choose A, and you, therefore by definition you have not chosen B. We want you to murder B. We want you to kill it. We want you to kill it stone dead. We want you to stand over it as it lays there on the ground in the dust. And and if you want to spit on it, spit on it. Yeah, I just I get a picture of you in a football uniform standing over the injured player on the other side, just sticking no, your finger in his no, face. I'm, I'm, no, I'm a, I'm a fair competitor. I, now you might you might say it's like Dances with Wolves, and I'm like the lady who was, stands with a fist, right? I mean, I'm okay with that. And just to be clear here, we're tra- we, we did a previous cast some, some time back about making a decision. So right. you looked at alternatives, you made a decision, you've chosen right. one path, right? and the other one, you're going to kill it. Kill it stone yeah. dead, like you said. Yeah. Look, it, it's simple, really. If you Everybody's always talking about how they don't have enough time, which of course is the wrong way, right? Um, if we don't have enough time to do everything we're already supposed to be doing, how can we possibly have time to act on two separate plans, right? The whole concept of, well, I'll work a little bit over here because that's my backup plan, right? We could almost make a case that this cast is as much about time, really, of course, priority management, as it is about making and executing effective decisions, there's an old saying, you know, when you come to a fork in the road, um, you know, that, that's what a decision point is, right? It's a fork in the road. You have to choose A or B or C or D or whatever. Um, when you come to a fork in the road, you have to, you have to choose. I don't know if Yogi Berra, the, the famous Yankees catcher, baseball player, translates overseas. For those of you who don't know, he's the one who said, when he was talking about a restaurant and he said, uh, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Uh, And he also said, you got to go to other people's funerals or they won't come to yours. He's also famous for apparently apocryphally having said, I never said all the things that I said. Um, But his quote about, about forks in the road, he says, when you get to a fork in the road, take it. (laughs) Right. And he was right. (laughs) Yes. I mean, he was so right that that's the basis for this cast. Right. When you come to a fork in the road, you have to take it. 
And that means, by definition, you don't take the other path, and you can never take that path. Right. It ever. ceases to exist, right? Time flows forward. That path, that fork is eliminated, right? By the fact that you chose one path. Right. And we're going to talk more about why that's true here in a, yeah. in a yeah. second. So look, so. we've got four recommendations in this cast. It's a fairly linear cast in terms of the process by which you go through decisions and affecting them. Um it's not a lot. There's only there's only four recommendations because we have found that really big, really important things tend not to need 12 steps, right? And decisions and plans and choices and execution thereof are big, important things uh, when it comes to being a manager or, for that matter, an executive. There are four things. Number one, first of all, we have to say this, and we'll explain more why. You've got to consider multiple options, right? So in, in the process of, of figuring out what you're going to do, we encourage you to consider multiple options. Don't think that because we're saying murdering, you don't want to do that. So consider multiple options. Step two is when you decide, you act on only one of your options, which becomes, of course, your plan. Number three is you murder the unchosen alternative, and more specifically, you do not allow others to waste effort working on the other path. That should get some people interested, right? Yeah. The whole backup yeah. plan mentality. And, and step four is if you fail, right, and you could fail because of execution or because of planning or because of decision, there's all kinds of ways to fail. If you fail... The salient point underneath all this is if you fail, you cannot go back to the unchosen alternative anyway. And we'll define that more in a little bit. Okay, good. Because, yeah, on, on the surface, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to come back to that. Good. Okay, so first one is considering multiple options. That, I mean, that seems pretty simple, right? Yeah. Look, generally, decisions are made better by robust consideration of, of options. Drucker, I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk about consensus lately, but Drucker actually tells us that it's actually conflict and disagreement and the management of disagreement that makes for better decisions. And really the modern interest in consensus that we, like we've talked about it before, we see it all the time. Consensus makes everybody feels good, but feeling good is not the measure of a good decision. Robust discussion, robust disagreement is what leads to better decisions, at least before the decision is made. You and I have talked about this before when people ask us about our military experience. People think that the military is all about taking orders and following them and just being, you know, the people who really truly don't understand the military think of it as being fairly robotic. But right. you and I sat in Colonel Texera's conference room, remember on the second floor right next to him in the and the Sergeant Majors in this in the XO's office, and we would sit in that conference room and we would go at it hammer and tongs for hours. Right. Right. Everybody, the joke in the thing was, oh my God, they're in the, they're in the, you know, they're, they're in staff meeting and it was six right. hours long. It's kind of like a, a political battle, right? I mean, you know, in the United States, we have elections and people go at it pretty hard. It's not, uh, uh, you got to pr- have a pretty thick skin to engage. Yeah. But when you're done, you put all that aside and get behind the new president and you support him or her. Right. Exactly. And you support the decision in the same way. Exactly. And people thought, oh, well, you guys all just disagree. I said, no, no, we disagreed all the time. We, we, we disagreed constantly. And then the colonel would say, or the decision maker would say, okay, we're going to do X. And everybody said, roger that. Right. There, there's a great story from a Tom Clancy book. I think it's called Executive Decision, where the president is trying to decide whether or not to shut down interstate commerce. And he brings his cabinet into his cabinet meeting room, and they're all, he's asking for opinions. 
and he goes around the room and um, and of course in America the, the, the state it's the United States the states are really hypothetically what's important even though the federal government gets all the press and um, the the comment is made that well we can't just shut down interstate commerce the, the 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 Constitution guarantees the right of interstate travel and the president says yeah but it doesn't guarantee us the right to kill our country I think there's like a virus that's going to kill the world or something in one of these books and so he goes around the room and he says all in favor against whatever everybody gives their viewpoints. And at the end, I think the the vote is like 19 to six or 13 to six or something that they shouldn't do it. And he looks at everybody and says, okay, we're going to do it. (laughs) He made a decision and he turns to the secretary of transportation and he says, okay, I need you to enact that. And he says, well, sir, I'm not comfortable with that. He said, fine, I accept your resignation. And he looks at his assistant secretary of transportation and says, can you make it happen? And she says, yes, sir, I can. (laughs) (laughs) I love that part of it. That's probably too much of a story. But look, we include this here because in our work in facilitating decisions, when we bring up the core concept, when we talk to a group of executives and say, this is the way this decision process, this strategic process is going to go, we tell them about the core concept of murdering the, uncho- the unchosen alternative. When we do that, everyone seems to think that that means you do that early in the process. You do it before you make your choice. We've had executive teams actually say to us, well, does that invalidate our early discussions that we're going to murder all these other good ideas that we might have? Just because we choose A and we don't choose B doesn't mean that B couldn't have been a good choice. And Frankly, we've had executives go on and say, I, I like B. I think there's sense to B. I, I really want B. I don't like the idea of murdering it, Mr. Smarty Pants Facilitator. Yeah, it's a completely different process. We're absolutely not saying that you shouldn't cast a net far and as wide as possible for ideas and options. Right. Please do it. How the heck could we recommend not doing that when we're the guys that invented the peanut butter rule? Yeah, the famous <laughs> peanut butter rule, right? Look, here... This, this point is a fundamental one that is huge. Ideating, deciding, planning, and executing are all such enormously different processes, so completely driven by different first principles that it's almost misleading to think of them as all being part of the same process and yet most of us think of it as one big process. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you to say that again, because that, my friend, might be one of the most seminal paragraphs that folks will ever hear on a Manager Tools podcast. Say it again, please. When we talked about it before the show, I was like, this is, this is big. Look, ideating, the concept of coming up with ideas, being creative, deciding, the act of choosing, planning figuring out what you're going to do in the future, and then executing, actually doing what you said you were going to do, are all such enormously different processes in and of themselves, so completely driven by different first principles, that it's almost misleading to think of them all as being part of the same big planning and executing process. And yet most of us as managers, as executives, as individual contributors do think of it that way. We apply the same principles, and in doing so, we make each one of the parts weaker by definition. Right. And so going back to the comment of that executive who didn't like the idea of murdering the unchosen alternative right. is they're confusing that tactic that addresses a first principle in deciding. Right. That has nothing to do with the principles and practices that make for effective in ideating, right? Completely different. Yeah, exactly. So like you said about peanut butter, right? You consider everything. Consider peanut butter. 
do so, do it knowing full well that some of them are going to end up on the floor murdered. They're going to be dead. Do not narrow your ideating simply because you know there can only be one plan. In fact, the, the one plan you choose will be better based on the robustness of the ideating, even though you know that all the other ideas are going to get murdered. Right. Yeah. Okay, so look, when we say murder the unchosen alternative, too many executives say to us, well, I don't, you know, gosh, I don't know. I'm, you know, we may want to have three or four different paths. No, wrong, wrong. We'll talk about why that's a bad <laughs> idea later. But, but we just want to be clear. We want to address a, a, a naturally occurring resistance to murdering the unchosen alternative when it comes to action because people think that that means we shouldn't be robust in our first processes of ideating. So hopefully we've addressed that, okay? Now, on the other hand, now that we've chosen, we want to turn our choice into a decision, right? And, and really, this is the crux of our recommendation today. Once you've had all your ideas and you've decided you're, you're going to make a decision, um, you put everything else away. You put all those other ideas away. You sweep your desks clean of other concepts. And, and frankly, here's something that surprises many of us. It still surprises me sometimes. Do not use any of the ideas that were brought up related to other possible plans that you might have in the execution of the plan that you were building to be executed. If those ideas are going to work in the new plan, you'll be able to come up with them all over again very quickly and very easily as you plan the actions moving forward out of your decision. Now, wait a minute. Now, now you're taking away a favorite tactic of mine which is you support the decision that was made path a versus B and C. And then you just put in a little, you know, some side jaunts, right? So we're gonna go down path A, but occasionally we're just going to go off the path and go visit yeah. path B. Oh, I think there are a whole lot of people that complain about not having enough time to do things while busily building little outs along the way that take 5% of their time, 3% of their time, 8% of their time here and there. Or they say, you know what, I don't like my boss. And so I'm going to come up with some ideas that are really about building in plan B. When I have to act on plan A, I'm not going to act very hard on plan A and I'm going to, I'm going to shelter my time so I can work on plan B. Oh, so you're saying that that person didn't really support the decision in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I really, I really don't feel bad saying it either. You know, there is so much energy available to organizations and so much of it is wasted. And, and in our company too, and every place I've been, there's a lot of waste. And if nothing else, Project Green, the idea of being green and, and getting rid of waste, let's use it in management too. Let's get rid of waste. And deciding on plan A and having people spending time on plan B and C because they think it's better when, in fact, the organization, in the form of a leader, he or she, making a decision to go to plan A, people working on B and C is wasteful. Right. It is. Because nobody has enough energy, nobody has enough resources to do everything they want to do on A. Why are we spending time on B and C? Or, for that matter, are we simply saying we're stupid and we don't agree with A, we don't agree with our own decision, or we don't think you have any power over me, Mr. Manager, so I'm going to work whatever I want to work on. You know, that's, that's a way to anarchy. So we made a decision to execute a plan, right. and we are simply saying that we all and you all are way too busy to lard a plan with a bunch of activities that might seem good, but aren't necessarily core to the plan. Good plans are lean, they're sharp, they're clear, and, and they're not wide, they're narrow, not right. wide. they're narrow. Yeah. Just because something sounded good in the ideation phase does not mean it's worth anything, anything at all, in the planning part of your work. Now, it might be. But the fact that it sounded good an hour ago or five days ago doesn't inherently mean it will be. 
right? Well, and if so, you're going to bring that up in the context of the plan that you've decided to pursue. There you go. And and so the the question becomes, when somebody brings up an idea that was really designed to push plan B, let's say, and you've chosen plan A, what you have to do is say, okay, well, that was something that we talked about earlier. Will it work in this new plan or was it really tied to the outcome that we wanted from plan B? Just because it made sense a week ago doesn't mean it makes sense in the context of this new plan. Yeah. And what you're really saying, bottom line, is we're going to murder that unchosen alternative. Don't muddy up the new plan with old ideas. Those old ideas were designed to foment possibly other plans. We have to ask ourselves now that we've made the decision, do they make sense in this context? Don't do stuff just because it made good sense in the service of another good idea because we haven't chosen that good idea. We've chosen a different one. Man, and that is such a key point. Like We know as we make these recommendations to you that the other ideas that you don't have time to choose are good ones. Yeah, sure. We're not saying murder all the bad ideas. The other ideas have value. They are good. We like them. Yeah. But goodness is not the standard in ideating. The standard is the best, most effective. And and too often, of course, right? For most managers and executives, there's no defining what is most effective. You have to decide. You have to say, I believe this one will work better. It's not as if 100 managers could, could decide and say, you're right or you're wrong. Too many decisions are small, right? So it's not a matter of right or wrong, although you know you could fail, which feels very wrong if, in fact, it turns out wrong. So it's not a question of what's right. It's a question of what you believe is best. And you you know what? If you're a manager who makes decision after decision after decision and executes them perfectly and they all turn out wrong or turn out they fail, you're not going to be a manager for that long. And that's a good thing because fundamentally you're not good at it. If somebody else looks funny to you, acts funny to you, but continually makes good decisions, executes them efficiently and effectively and delivers great results, we don't care how they look. We don't care how they smell. We don't care anything else. We want more of them. Right. So to your point, we're not saying don't do them because they're bad. We're not passing judgment on the other ideas. We'll come to their funeral. We'll mourn the loss, right? The loss of those other ideas in, in this plan and this execution, we're going to miss them, but we're going to miss them by not doing them rather than including them because it seemed like a good idea at the time. What we're saying is you don't have time to do two things and to be really good at one thing, you've got to get rid of everything else. Bingo. Yeah. And too many managers and we're right there with yeah, you. Yeah, we're um, here. Yeah. Are afraid to having, are, are afraid of having to choose. Of, right. And of being, you know, and that, and they're afraid of that because they don't want to be wrong. Right. right? And or so, fail. We, yeah, fail. So, what we yeah. try to do is we try to salvage all the good ideas that we come up with and we try to do a little bit of everything, try to act on as many good things as we can, leaving our options open. We try to advance on all fronts. Right. When the core first principle of action, what we're talking about here is action, is mass at the point of decision. Yeah. You don't win a battle by putting everybody in a line and walking forward in the same, everybody walking forward is one long straight line. You pick the point where you believe you can have the most input. You put all your forces there and you attack there and you steal resources from everywhere else to the point where the building almost crumbles, but you get where you need to go. Murdering the unchosen alternative meanings, it further means, let's go to the next step. It means not allowing other people, your directs, other people to work on other paths. No matter how good the other paths are, you can't advance on all fronts. You don't have the resources. Most people say they don't even have the resources to do one thing well. Why are we trying to do two or three or four? Yeah. Not everything's a military battle, but in this case, it applies. You know, hundreds of thousands of of folks died proving this point. (laughs) 
Yeah. And, 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 and I know there are people who say, well, gee, I don't want to learn too much from the military. Well, unfortunately, the military is just like any other human endeavor. Uh, most human endeavors tend to follow some fundamental principles. And if you talk to most executives that are in high levels, they'll tell you the same thing. Mass at the point of decision. They may not know that phrase, which is a, a classically Napoleonic phrase, but they know what it means, which is I'm going to pick a strategy and we're not going to try to do everything. We're going to do one thing really, really, really well. Right. Yeah. This is not, this is not a military principle applied to management or in a more broad right. sense. This is a broad principle that found its application in military use. Exactly, right. And Napoleon made famous. You can't have this little secret extra thing going on over on the side that no one else knows about or that just you and your favorite direct know about. You can't do that because if you do that, you take, well, you I suppose you can. We recommend you don't because doing that takes effort away from your primary path, from your stated decision, from your primary execution. And look, for those managers out there, for those of you who disagree with this, you th you're going to sing about skunk works or something like that, and, and you give us an example of a secondary quiet plan that ended up working, we say to you, if the second plan worked and the first one didn't, you were the reason the first path did not work because you stole resources from it, it died, and those resources that you were applying to the second one, had they been applied to the first, might have, in fact, caused the first one to work. Yeah. Okay? You made it possible for the second one to work by essentially undermining your own first path, if, in fact, it was your own. You stole resources and energy from the first one. You undermined your own decision. You allowed your own efforts to destroy the larger effort. And now you want credit... You want credit for that what you did on the side, you kept in the background, you kept as a backup plan. You might as well be burning down a building, standing there with a fire hose, wanting credit for putting out the blaze that you helped start because everybody has too few resources. And if you put resources into plan B, you're not putting them in to plan A. Right, right. And so we... We recommend you check with your team, see what yeah, they're doing. Yeah. And gee, I, I don't know, maybe a one-on-one -on -one might be a place to do yeah, that. I don't yeah. know. And, I, I just, and look, when you have your one-on-ones, ask your team members about what they're working on. Check on the status of their work on the plans you have made, right? that We talk about that every week. They should be reporting every week on what they've done and what they haven't done. And when they haven't done it, you give them a new deadline. The moment they've missed a deadline, you got to give them a new one, right? Use your gut. You're smart. Use your gut to analyze whether they seem to be fully engaged. Are they getting the amount of work done that you think they need to get done? You're probably not wrong. And if it seems like they're getting a lot less work done, the question becomes, what else are they working on? Is it possible they're nurturing some little plan in the corner that you ought to know about? Maybe you'll let them keep doing so, but yeah. you do so <laughs> at your own plan's peril. Yeah, don't, don't, tell, don't, don't tell anybody that we told you to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've already decided to do X. Somebody in your team working on Y is subjugating X to their own personal whim. They're using energy that could be directed to the primary plan. Again, I'm gonna say it again, everybody's always so frustrated about lack of resources. Maybe you have some sitting right around you that would be available if you redirected it, right. and you just don't know it. Yeah, you got you got plenty of resources, they're just doing yeah. the wrong things. <laughs> That's exactly, ex beautiful, yeah, exactly. They're just doing the wrong things, yeah. And look, you know what? Too many managers love the idea that they're gonna to get to make choices. Folks, your job is not to decide as a manager. It's part of your job. It's part of it's one of the tasks you engage in, but it's not your job. Your job is to produce results economically. If there are resources available that could accelerate your results and faster, all things being equal, is by definition more economical. 
if there are resources available, it's your responsibility to get them working on the one plan. Yeah, yeah. One, one final point, though, because we got we got to bring this up, although it, it's kind of somewhat philosophical. But, yeah, yeah. But it's important. Managers are always telling us, and you know, frankly, we sometimes tell ourselves, right? Wait, what if I fail? I have to have a backup plan, right? Right, and and we agree, right? I mean, but look here, the fact that you need to change what you're doing, if what you're doing isn't working, you've decided your plan is failing. That does not mean that you needed a backup plan in the beginning. The fact is, and this is going to be exciting, I think, for people, building a backup plan that doesn't get executed is time not spent on your primary execution, right? And the real reason is once you take that fork in the road, you choose A versus B, as you said earlier, you can't ever go down that other path. If you fail, you cannot go back to the unchosen alternative, folks, because your action and the time that has passed has made any ideas you previously considered much less valuable. You have changed the situation you're in by your very action because the world is a dynamic place and for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? You have so changed the situation that you need to start fresh. That unchosen alternative, that plan B, is no longer valid in the fast-paced competitive environment that everybody is, is operating in today. That plan that you came up with, that backup plan, is based on what happened in the beginning. By definition, therefore, it's old. And what right. we recommend is you come up with a new one based on the new reality that your existing execution has created for you. Right. And if you think your primary plan failed with, with executed with gusto, let's assume you did, um, <laughs> and it failed, what is the chance of your second alternative that is now dated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not likely. Exactly, right. Yeah. And that's why we want you to murder it before you ever start planning and executing. Nothing wrong with deciding that your plan has failed. There's nothing wrong with that. There, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. That is not justification for having a backup plan. Right. Because every minute you spent working or planning on that backup plan was a minute you didn't spend busting your tail trying to get that first, the, the primary plan done. And you'll have time when you realize it's failing, you'll have time to go, okay, new situation, different than at time zero or at time 31 now, um, time 54 now, what's different? Let's let's start over again. Let's come up with a new plan based on the world we've created. Okay, now right. look. Now, is, is it possible that um, the first one having failed going back, that your second plan may in fact look like your backup? Yeah, sure it is. Yeah, but it'll be, have been looked at with fresh eyes. And it'll be better. Yeah, Good. don't use old stuff because, quite frankly, you even have more data now that whatever your old thinking was, look, you decided on A versus B. A appeared better at the time than B. And you want to go back to B now? What, are we going to keep going down to C, D, E? I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, you've already proved that your best idea didn't work. Why would you now put your second best idea? It's like, hey, we're down by three touchdowns in this football game. Let's put in our second string. No. Okay. You ask yourself, what new plan do I need now based on the situation I'm in today? You change your game plan. You don't put in your second string. Good. Rather than ending this cast with an outline wrap-up, which is what we do, we've done for years, we thought we would end this cast with a poem. And to tell you the truth, when I told Mike about this, it really almost brings tears to my eyes to think that such a beautiful poem um, could accurately sum up this cast but it does. And you'll be able to Google this poem if you want. Of course, it's in the show notes for those of you who are premium subscribers. 
and it's just a beautiful poem. It's just a it is yeah, one it of those is. classic American poems, uh, and I'm sure it's I'm sure it's made its way outside of the the U.S. Um, and when I when I say the title, many of you will pause and 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 uh, we think happily and remember when you first heard this poem. The poem is called "The Road Not Taken." It's by Robert Frost, and it goes like this: Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I love that poem. He said it far better than we could. Yes. That's better than a podcast. There you go. I think I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. I don't think I'll ever see a podcast as good as that poem. I doubt it seriously. Thanks, partner. Thanks, my friend. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that and got something useful. But before we go, I wanted to share with you that we've just recently announced our January 20th through 21st, 2009 London Effective Manager Conference and the January 22nd London One Day Effective Communications Conference. So if you're in Europe or going to be in London, I hope you can join us for one or both of those events. Of course, those who attend all three days, both conferences, there's a special discount involved. We'll roll out a cast shortly with more details, but for now, details and information on how to register are on the website, www.managertools.com. Hope to see you in London. So that's it for now. We'll see you all next week. So long.